Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to a very special MotorWeek podcast, number 297. I'm John Davis. Joining me today are Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, Jessica Ray, and Alex Kellum. And this is our annual MotorWeek Driver's Choice Awards program, where we're going to detail our picks for this year's awards, including our best of the year. So the way this works is we have 12 categories picked by our staff. These are the cars that we've tested among all the 150 new cars we see every year that we like the best in each distinctive category, categories that consumers actually buy. And once we've picked all of these at the very end of the show, we're going to let you know what our best of the year award award the top vehicle of all the categories is and i think it'll probably be a little bit of a surprise for a few folks but we're going to start really with an area that um is not getting as much attention as it used to because of the popularity of SUVs and trucks. But there are still a lot of cars being sold in this country. So this year we've combined our best small car and best family car into uh, one category. Actually, we've uh, narrowed it down. We've broadened it even further from sedan to just car. Our award this year is for best family car and that opens it up to not only four doors but also five doors or whatever else comes along and the winner is the redesigned and very impressive Toyota Prius uh, so it's a hybrid and everything that the Prius means coming after it uh, including the already announced Prius Prime plug-in hybrid so going around the table who wants to be first why did we pick the Prius amongst um, there haven't been a lot of new sedans and hatchbacks, but there's been a few. No, I mean, I think there's only, there's not too many big players that are still in that arena. Well, we still have, we still have some, some of the import brands, but you're right. There's, I you mean, know, American the, the American brands, brands are pretty much out of it. it right. At all. Um, and the European brands tend to, with the exception of Volkswagen, which is now out of it too, um, have been overpriced for a lot of folks. That's a good point. And I think that's also what the Prius does really well. It's an entry-level hybrid, right? Um, and it just it did a bunch of things really well. And it improved upon the previous generation um, in so many ways. Its looks are so much better. Its ride quality is so much better. Um, you know, it has even better fuel economy in the LE trim. So... There's just a lot to love, and um, it's all under $30,000. It starts under $30,000, and I say 30000 is the new 20000 these mm. days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they just really knocked it out of the park. Anyone else? Oh, uh, the Prius is always delivered when it comes to fuel economy. Um, that's not news. They could I think they could have went a little farther mm. uh, as far as improving that, but they did go way farther when it came to giving it a lot more power. Uh, which I think like makes like it sixty percent more. Something I think like makes that. it a much yeah. more yeah. usable car for yeah. family use because you can pack it full of people, and it doesn't feel underpowered at all. Yeah, I was going to actually question like, 
can we make it much better in terms of fuel economy? Because like now, I feel like we are starting to approach the limits of like hybrid powertrains, mm-hmm. right? Fifty like, to six. Because now we're gonna have gallon. to we're gonna have to continue with the internal combustion end of right. it, make those more efficient, and then the battery technology where it is now. Like, I mean, it seems like the next move is to plug in hybrid to really get the prime, the overall right, right. exactly, which eventually we will have. But um, yeah, I mean, just from you know that aside, uh, the the Prius just looks that's. You didn't think you would ever say that Prius is a was attractive. Oh my god, like it looks great. Like who would have thought they would ever say that about a Prius? Yeah, and I mean back to the whole hybrid thing. I mean I think with Toyota really harping on hybrid still, which I think is a great thing. Uh, This is an excellent show of force for them. Um, But yeah, with the looks, I mean it looks sleek. It's cool. I think the only thing that's not going to sell is the um, all those bumper stickers people buy that say "Hey, nice Prius" or "Cool Prius." Said no one. That's the only thing that's not going to sell anymore. You know now that you can uh, get all-wheel drive with it, I wonder if they're thinking that maybe they'll they'll think about doing some kind of a uh, pseudo SUV off that again someday. Hmm. But anyway, let's move on to best luxury car, and this is a repeat winner from last year: the Mercedes-Benz S-Class. So why do you think that we picked it again? Because it's just like the flagship of flagships. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say it was a pretty easy pick. I <laughs> yeah. think. I think it was almost unanimous, if not yeah. a unanimous. The technology in it, um, you know, even a year after it came out, um, is still top of the line. You don't see anything that really matches it. Um, Mercedes seems to be paving the way in that category across the board. And yeah, that, like when we were voting, we just went down a list of everything that's new and nobody can make a really good argument for anything but the s-class yeah Mm. i think part of it is a lot of the luxury brands are going all in on on the evs like we drove a couple evs that certainly would have competed but we didn't want to elect to vote for an ev in this category well they didn't really beat the the s-class for what it purports to be Mm -hmm. which is this quintessential just superior uh, four-door sedan that has been recognized as a market leader for decades and still is yeah and i mean there is like an uh, ev equivalent to the right right the eqs but there are some things that the s-class does a little bit better when we also remarked in our road test how the interior wasn't quite up to what the s-class image is and reality i should say so, yeah, S-Class, Mercedes, uh, again, a repeat winner for our Driver's Choice Awards Best Luxury Car. Best Sports Sedan. This one kind of came out of, I mean, I wouldn't say it caught us blind, but a year ago I don't think we expected it. And that's the rebirth of the Acura Integra, Best Sports Sedan for 2023. How come? Because this is Driver's Choice Awards, and I think we all took driving uh, heavily into account in this one. Uh, when it came, when the news broke about the Integra a while back, I think uh, when we saw the pictures, a lot of us were sort of underwhelmed. Um, but and we were we were hoping for a two door, and of course it's a four door, right? But then we got in and drove it. We're like, oh, that's right. You know, we drive these cars, uh, and it, it drove fantastically. At least that's how I feel. Yeah, we had the manual trans, great shifter, it feels great. Uh, I was impressed with it. I think they did a good job keeping the price uh, reasonable as well. I mean, it. some people have criticized it for basically being a fancy Civic. But 
I don't think that's a bad thing in that it uses great roots. But, you know, to me, it looks so much different, especially on the outside, and it drives. It drives like a different car. It's, you know, whether it's the tuning or whatever, it just seems more sophisticated. Yeah, and uh, excellent value. I mean, if you want the manual, you have to get the, the top of the line, which is uh, A-spec with Tech right. Pack. But that's still only, I think, like 36 starting, give yeah. or take. I mean, Pretty good value. Yeah, especially when the average uh, transaction price for all new vehicles is uh, upper 40s these yeah. days. Yeah, and that was the original Integra formula was just a tarted up Civic, a lot more fun to drive. Yeah. So that's not new. Best sport coupe, Nissan Z. Finally, after all these years of seeing the next generation Z, it has arrived. Is that another case of maybe expecting less and then being you know, more impressed than you were prepared to be? I mean, this, you know, we knew it was going to look, have the a silhouette that re- was very reminiscent of the original 240Z, but it's so much more than that. It looked cool, and that engine is awesome. I didn't get all that time in it, so I'll yield to someone else. 400 horsepower, though, right out of the box. No upgrades necessary. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, it's a nostalgia-laden ride. Uh, I was saying to people, you know, I've driven a lot of cars with Motor Week, even just in, like, the year and a half I've been here, but that is the car I got the most looks from. They were doing that, like, debate out front of the studio that day, and, like, people were doing all these chants, and then they stopped, and they're like, hey, what was that? Oh, yeah, there were, yeah, like, like, actual <laughs> protests happening uh, that day, yeah. too. <laughs> Well, on the, people's the, minds, so the, the fact that they the Z, stopped and looked. The Z at was literally a showstopper. It was, yeah, oh, it that's cool. It's got the looks. I mean, you get in it, you feel like you're in a Datsun. I mean, it's it's just cool. And yeah, the engine's great. It's it's fun to drive. And plus, uh, you get the manual, and it's like starts at forty. So yeah, not bad. Price is forty. Forty for four hundred horsepower. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a really good deal. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, like if you want to get the performance one, it, it does up the price a bit, but it's still, I mean. It's a good deal. Yeah. Mm. Then you can like no lift shift and all kinds of cool stuff with mm. that. Cool uh, like it's an actual mode within sport mode or something like that. I forget how I, I forget how you got into it, but I was in it and it was cool. And the same engine, you know, all across the board, it's not like the Supra where you got to upgrade to the really cool engine. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yes, that's a good point. On, yeah. yeah. Speaking of performance, best performance car, and uh, here's a car that I remember when it came in. Everybody also just was almost awestruck. The Audi RS3, small but mighty. Hmm? It's a really wicked little thing. I feel like every Audi RS model we get, like wicked is always the the term that comes to my mind. Uh, It's small, just super powerful. Uh, We took it to the racetrack. Um, Jess got some time in it too. So it was fun. It was it was a good it was a good day at the racetrack uh, when you can take something like that. you know, traditionally the RS3 or the S3 A3 is front wheel drive. Now you have all wheel drive, which can send a lot of the power to the rear wheels. So that's always fun. Uh, a lot, which basically just equals a lot more control on the racetrack. And it has that five cylinder engine in it, mm-hmm. which is really gnarly, really cool. Yeah, when we were voting, I wasn't so sure I was on board with this pick, but then you know, looking into it, uh, putting all this stuff together, it it really was an impressive piece. It's certainly worthy of it. Yeah, and I mean the uh, I think it starts at like sixty thousand, which I know that price tag does seem you know like that's a lot of money. But when you drive it, I mean, you get it. I mean, yeah, you know? the amount of performance. Oh and, yeah, you know, On you have and Audi off the luxury. Track. It's yeah. uh, it's a really good package. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the, uh, one of the categories that so many people are interested in, and that's uh, utility vehicles. And we have 
uh, actually four awards in utilities. We're going to start with the best small utility. And this was kind of a sleeper. We heard about it. We knew it was coming, but we were not prepared to be as impressed as we were. And that's the Mazda CX-50, the successor eventually to the CX-5. I think we all have like had the conversation in the office, like what, why the fifty, why the thirty, yeah. why the now the ninety, yeah. And then we got in and we're like, oh, this is Mazda was already going upscale, uh, mm-hmm. and now with their like the O models behind the the numbers, they go to another level. Uh, <laughs> there's a Mazda that seems like every single year in our Drivers Choice Awards. <laughs> yeah, it's well, and because one of their whole things is to build vehicles that are entertaining they to drive. Always drive. That's well, their yeah. their mantra. I, I did the first drive for this almost a year ago, and I remember driving it and just being super impressed. And the other thing is uh, not just the value, but the range of values. It, you can get a non-turbo model; it starts in like the high twenties, and then even stepping up to the top dog, turbocharged, all everything you want in it, it's like low forties. Like to me, that's just great value and there's something kind of like for everybody in there. Nothing I can add to that. Well said. <laughs> I have a question for you real quick before we move on. Is it me or is it, or do you agree that Mazda seems to be taking a lot of the new uh, tech inside vehicles and making it very simple to use for most people? They're not always up there with the biggest uh, touchscreen, but mm-hmm. they do still use a central controller. So- but I find their cars pretty easy to get accustomed to. Is that? I easy? would have to agree. I mean, I think they've been like that for a while. But I also think because they know who's buying their cars. Like, people who want, like, a nice-looking car that drives well for a good price, you know, they'll go in and they'll buy a Mazda. I mean, my dad bought a Mazda for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, they're not out there to be the flashiest. They're out there to just sell good cars. <laughs> it does seem like every year we've got, at least recently, we've had a Jeep in the awards. And actually, we've got more than one this year. But let's start with best midsize utility, Jeep Grand Cherokee. All right, the latest generation Cherokee is not all new this year, but there's a reason that we gave it our award, and that is... Oh, that's a four by E. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> that was sort of now you, you know, I'm looking at my notes from we did plug-in the voting, hybrid. and everybody said the plug-in hybrid just sort of capped off the range. Yeah, I mean, it, the Grand Cherokee has gotten pricey, but it doesn't. It still feels like it's worth the money. I mean, mm. it doesn't feel cheap. It drives awesome. The four by E, uh, I think, it is amazing uh, powertrain, uh, which can take Jeep owners even further. And the addition of the L. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. Although the L did win. It won last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah. 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 So in a way, this is a repeat winner. Kind of. Uh, but it won a different class. But the, when you looked at the entire Jeep lineup and the capabilities of the vehicles, um, plus the style, the interiors that, that Jeep is doing are just out of the, out of the park, uh, it was like that was, all, if not a unanimous winner of our staff, it was pretty close to being that way. So. Yeah, I think all over their new design inside and out is, mm. is incredibly attractive. I know I've seen so many Grand Cherokee, new Grand Cherokees on the road. Um, but we should specify this is kind of more toward the, the two row. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, because you can't get the four by E yeah. in, in the three row yet. Yeah. But speaking of three-row utilities, best large utility, which the Grand Cherokee L won last year, 
Hyundai Palisade. Now, this is a redo, a reface, a rework, mid-cycle update of a vehicle that we've liked for a long time. Um, but why do you think that, you know, it's usually when we pick a winner of a Driver's Choice Awards, it's an all-new vehicle. And this isn't, but it does have substantial updates. What was behind that, you think? I think it's just like it, still a lot of bang for your buck with this vehicle, um, its capabilities. Uh, Much more th- luxurious than people expect for a Hyundai, I think. Yes, I think inside and out, you know, it didn't see a ton of tweaks on the outside, but all of the, all of like, the the new fascia it sees it's um, a lot of new it, tech inside yeah it all is good all very good improvements that I, I think in at least in my mind has kind of brought the palisade kind of to the forefront over say the telluride mm-hmm. um so i think that's that, that's one of the biggest reasons i think we chose it i think that was like one of the toughest ones that we had when we were voting i mm. think we took us forever but uh yeah the palisade delivers for sure especially when you mentioned the tech that a lot of stuff kind of trickled over from the genesis side uh more than the rest of the hyundai lineup so uh, yeah good choice i think yeah i mean for a while it was kind of the the stepchild to the um uh the kia but now it's it's come into its own and then from what i understand the dealers can't keep them on the lot. i was gonna mm-hmm. say yeah like in regards to that mm-hmm. I, um you know the telluride everybody was hearing about the telluride yeah. the telluride the telluride then you couldn't get them right and so people were like well it's the next best thing to that oh the palisade and so that's why i think that was almost advantageous for the palisades popularity um and of course that it's a good product yeah, yeah. best luxury utility another jeep the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Lots of reasons for this. Grand Wagoneer L, specifically. And right? Grand Wagoneer. Just Grand Wagoneer. Grand Wagoneer L. Yeah, I think it was style. Yeah. Well, I think they all are they're very similar, and they yeah, all have the I, same powertrain. I think one of the biggest things was the powertrain. Right. Yeah. The, the, L the L comes it, with yeah. the. The L has the new engine. Turbo six. Yeah, yes, and it's available in the Grand wa- in the standard Grand Wagoneer mm-hmm. as well. It's uh, the. It's in this day and age when everybody is talking about a new uh, electrified vehicle for uh, the Salantis folks to spend probably five billion dollars engineering a new inline six-cylinder engine that really is only going to be in trucks or big SUVs. That's astounding. And of course, now that they've done it, uh, General Motors is doing the same thing for Chevrolet and GMC. Uh, so they, the engine just took everybody by storm because it's not only powerful, but it's more efficient than anything they had before in its class. Uh, but but the reason we picked the, the Wagoneer L was more than that. Yeah, just a big suburban-sized uh, vehicle, packs full of luxury screens everywhere, nice leather, good materials all over the place. Yeah, and, and with the new powertrain, it's very quiet. It's like that like really nice highway cruiser that you're looking for because that's what they're going to be doing for a majority of the time and i you know obviously gm has kind of led the um the pack in that category for a very 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 long Mm -hmm. time and i think this is definitely a a worthy adversary to them it's beautiful inside i mean supremely comfortable supremely luxurious and i don't think uh this wouldn't be the case a couple of years ago, but if you're somebody who's accustomed to the finer things in life and you go into a Jeep dealership and try out one of these, I don't think you'll be uh, disappointed at all. I really think it's everything that Jeep said the Grand Wagoneer was going to be. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. pretty awesome. It's probably a stretch, but when I got in it, I thought, 
I didn't think like Cadillac Escalade. I thought Range Rover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it leans if you put that on the scale. And yeah. also, back to the whole engine thing. I mean, the the straight six engine is just making a comeback everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mercedes is doing it. Uh, Mazda. Yeah, it's still, yeah Mazda. <laughs> yeah, ninety. Everybody wants an inline. It's system. great for torque. Yeah. It's great for torque. I and think it's it makes the quintessential a, truck engine. I, was saying, I think it just makes a lot of sense where we are right now with mm. emissions and, you know, wanting smaller engines in trucks. But um, not wanting to give up the power. Exactly. Yes. Best small truck. And this is another combination. Last year we had best uh, compact truck and best midsize truck. Uh, we've combined those two into best small truck, but the winner is a repeat, and that's the Ford Maverick. And I'm going to let Jessica start oh. because she <laughs> she actually has one on order. <laughs> I do, I do have a Maverick on order. And no she influence on the on the warning at all. Yeah, she has a special interest. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about Mavericks all the time instead of Wranglers. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean it's just um, a truck that most truck owners need. Really? Yeah. It it it's not huge, but you oh. don't need a big truck to run to the big box store on the weekend. No, I mean it's built on the unibody um, escape chassis. Um, you, it's got the standard hybrid powertrain with the optional EcoBoost, and while the hybrid can get you up to forty miles per gallon, I think um, the EcoBoost is no slouch. That'll get you over thirty, definitely. It's just a really solid vehicle. It's an entry-level model, so we're talking like price point. It starts now. It starts over twenty thousand dollars, but even optioned out, I mean, you're looking at somewhere between thirty-five. Now it's I say still these, the least expensive Ford brand vehicle. Yeah, and now I say these, which blows your mind when you yeah. figure next up is what the Echo Sport. Or um, the one, of course, downside to the Maverick being they're really, really difficult to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had mine on order since September, and I have no idea when I'm going to get wow. it. But um, so, but it's just seriously a great little vehicle if you can get your hands on one. Yeah, my neighborhood's full of them already. There's like three or four really? people. Yeah, they yeah. got them. I didn't think they were that hard to get. My neighbors had two of them already. I'm not sure who you ordered. The your eco, well, the EcoBoosts are e- easy. The EcoBoosts right. are really yeah. no, the I would say easy to get. The hybrids they are the hybrids are like those are the mm. ones that are still going for like over ten thousand right. MSRP, um, and even more used. We but, won't even talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, doesn't negate that the, it's still a very good product. Absolutely. And then we step up to best full-size truck, and for the third year in a row, and I can't even imagine how many years running uh, it, I mean, how many years over our Driver's Choice Awards history it's won, but the Ford F-Series. And again, it's the case of adding a new electrified model, and that is the Lightning, but again, it's so much more than that as well. Yeah, the Lightning was a big part of it last year. Uh, the big part this year was the Raptor R finally putting a V8 and also the full size, the uh, the heavy and duty, the heavy yeah, the duty yeah. duties are all new. Yeah. Everything, whether it's payload, towing, um, I'm probably cup holder size is <laughs> best in class. <laughs> uh, that's how the Ford does it. You know, I'm not uh, now that we've we've set this precedent of of uh, three years and running. I'm not sure what out there on the landscape is going to dethrone them. But I guess we'll. It's going to well, take a lot. It's going to take a lot. Mm. 
Now, this year, because of the emergence of more and more EVs, and in some cases more affordable uh, EVs, we expanded our best EV category uh, to four vehicles. And I'm going to take them uh, one at a time. And uh, the first one is um, kind of um, an interesting choice because it really does do what we kept wanting to do, see, which was an electrified sedan that is meets all of the requirements of a German uh, compact sports sedan. This case, it's the BMW i4, an amazingly competent vehicle. Yeah, it just felt like an electric uh, 3 Series from back in the day. Didn't feel like uh, some kind of just electric car. It was uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, they definitely translated um, the driving experience. It was a, it was a BMW, and yeah. that that is tough. I mean, I mm-hmm. can't even tell you everything that they did, but it just it was just you felt it the moment you drove it. Yeah, uh, I think uh, not even the uh, the iX could say that. Yeah. in my opinion, yeah, yeah. Like the i four is where they really dialed in that BMW ness, and uh, the performance is is really staggering uh, that it can. I think it's more performance packed than an M3 at this point, at least from mm-hmm. acceleration number yeah. mm-hmm. wise. You probably couldn't make it around a racetrack as fast, but if you're talking like straight line acceleration and like daily performance attributes, it goes to the i4 now. Everywhere I went with it, people came up and they and almost no one recognized that it was an electric sedan. They just thought it was one of the best looking BMW sedans they'd seen in a long time. Yeah, I. I it's like if you look at the like uh, physical differences of it, mm. it, it's very hard to tell it from uh, just a typical four series. To me, it it has the room inside of a five, so it's you know you can't call it a compact anymore. Not really. Mm. Uh, our next winner is a vehicle that's been a long time coming, and I think it deserves a, a good shi- a shout out from us, and that's the Cadillac Lyric, uh, Cadillac's first all electric SUV, and the first one down their path of eventually becoming an all electric brand. You know, I've been looking at the evolution of this art and science. Um, styling since it began, I don't know, 20-some, 30 years ago, whatever it is. And this is by far the best-looking iteration they've done of it yet, uh, at least on an SUV, but I think totally. But the lyrics stood out. It was It's it's a gorgeous vehicle, and we've got so many people that want to hear in our um, facility, that want to see it and drive it. Yeah, I mean, I think I probably had more uh, drive time in that. To me, it was just able, for like half the price of an Escalade, you got a modern... A uh, very luxurious uh, EV with uh, like 300 miles of range, and uh, yeah, it's everything they said it would be. Let's see where they go with it next. But I still haven't. I'm not. Are they even delivering them yet? I mean, I think they're delivering seems... the two-wheel drive, but the all-wheel drive has been delayed. I've, till I think later I've this seen year. pictures of yeah, some of them yeah. making their way to on the road. But, uh, that seems to be a thing with most of the EVs. Uh, other than Tesla, they've all been coming out in drips and drabs, I think, which is unfortunate because there is a huge market um, for this particular vehicle. I think vehicle. they're sold out on pre-orders. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. a they 2023 were, model yeah. year, I think. Yeah. I think the so. yeah, 22, the first ones, and then 23s are all sold out. Yeah. But just an amazing amount of luxury for the price, uh, for sure. Way more luxurious inside than an Escalade or really anything else they have right now. 
And it uses the new uh, Ultium battery, which is uh, scalable to the different vehicle. And that, of course, made its debut on our next winner, which is the Ooh, GMC Hummer EV pickup <laughs> truck. And we should, could say the EV Hummer uh, SUV, but we haven't driven that yet. GMC Hummer EV pickup. Would I be stretching it to say one of the most impressive vehicles we've ever driven? Certainly unlike anything. Uh, yeah, right? I yeah, think it's sure. it's kind of out of this world a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just is, everything about it is massive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the technology in it, the its literal size. Um, yeah. It's, but it didn't feel that way to drive it. No. Maybe I, that was the four-wheel drive. Not to drive it, maybe to yeah. park it. Yeah. <laughs> Robinson's well aware of my feelings on this. <laughs> I, I, have, I, I think the day I drove it, I came back in, it was just like talking to anybody who would listen to it. <laughs> yeah. I was so, like a boy. I would, I, if it were up to me, I would have given it every single award. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that's how much I liked it. And I get like, I, there's like this whole stigma around Hummers, the old one especially. And I think now still you could say, because it's just so, like it yeah. is so big big and unnecessary yeah. as a vehicle on public roads. Right. But I would argue that like a 911 Turbo is unnecessary on public roads if you want to make that argument. I mean, being able to drive something of that size so easily around through downtown traffic and through parking lots and the power from, you know, just like in any situation, uh, it's just, I was thoroughly blown away by this thing. And Probably more so than just about any car I drove this year. Yeah, as far as out there as it was with like the Watts, the Freedoms, and the Crab Walk, <laughs> yeah. and the ex, uh, Extract Mode. And even just like the up. screen graphics are just yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was all like a recipe for failure if, not, if like even one of those things didn't work uh, right. up to expectations, but everything just uh, everything above and beyond uh, what, what I was expecting out of it for sure. Pretty impressive. Our uh, fourth EV for Best EV this year is the Kia EV6. Not the first affordable uh, all-electric vehicle from Kia, but I think easily the best. And a vehicle that I think also just impressed all of us just way beyond our expectations. I think it's another EV that translates the driving experience really well. Like, it just was so fun to drive, Um it felt very comfortable. It didn't feel heavy like a like uh, I don't know some like other like a EVs. nine thousand pound. Yeah, it didn't feel heavy. You don't feel the battery sort of dragging you down. Um, no, just like a really fun vehicle to drive. I, I I had so much fun in it. Yeah, I would say it's one of those total package things where it doesn't do anything like maybe the best, but it just does everything really really great and you can actually go to almost any kia dealer and there's one sitting there waiting for you to buy right mm -hmm. now you can still yeah. buy one if you yeah. want yeah. unlike a lot of these things like we just right. talked yeah. about earlier still uh paused yeah it's, it's yeah. the styling it's the technology it's the charging on the 800 volt yeah, architecture it, it's the fact that you can go from a base level and then you can move up to the mid-grade and then you can go all the way up to the gt not the gt line right but the, the gt, full GT oh, line, which yeah. is like a performance suv yes it is yeah uh and yeah i mean it's just like impressive all the way across the board. it's attractive and if you've been in a any other recent Kia, when you get in it, yeah, it's a little more modernistic, but the controls basically work the same. So I found mm -hmm. the transition from anything else Kia or Hyundai makes into it very simple and very straightforward, uh, which maybe is one of the reasons for our best of the year. We also picked, drum roll please, 
little louder. The, the Kia EV6. Now, to all of you out there that just went, fell over backwards, uh, all the reasons we said, plus the fact that it is affordable for the money, which is still not cheap, but it's cheap for modern EVs, mm-hmm. you get an awful lot of vehicle. And one that will perform and one that it turns heads, uh, you know. Yeah, not our first EV to win Best of the Year either, so that's no, it's not, not true. uncharted territory. Uh, but, yeah. but, you know, I think that's interesting. Uh, when the Mach-E won it, uh, you know, we, were, we had set some new territory for our awards, so this is not the first. But I think the key EV ups everything we said about the Mach-E. Uh, quite a bit. We'll probably get less hate mail. Yes, because <laughs> it doesn't have oh, it doesn't yeah. have Mustang in the name. Yeah, I was gonna say we got we got well, separate I mean, hate mail for them. <laughs> like we also brothers. pick it kind of like what it stands for in the industry, right? And what it stands for, like it's like key. This is Kia's first dedicated EV chassis, and, right? And for them to to do this on their first like attempt at a real dedicated EV and impress so much i mean like it's a it's a major accomplishment for them and then for anybody in the industry really any other comments so that's our 2020 oh you want to sorry sorry i didn't give you a chance i was just say like i think one of the you know more important parts of it is the fact that it has the 800 volt architecture which you don't explain that now explain what that really means disclosure yeah (laughs) i don't know like all the engineering behind it but essentially it's future proof that's i that's why it it gives you the ability (laughs) to as they increase the the output of the chargers it will be able to charge up in even less time yeah so, so like, you, you know, if you ha- are uh, stopping at a public charger and there's a 150 kilowatt charger and then there's a 350 kilowatt charger, you can stop at the 350 kilowatt charger and plug in and potentially get up to, I don't think right now its capacity is 350 uh, or maybe somewhere over 200. Yeah. Um, it's like 220 minutes or something like that, isn't it? It's two, 200. 200 miles. 200 miles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 200, okay. 200 yeah. Minutes, yeah. 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 No, it's like 200 I mean, miles of range in 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 It's like 80%. It can get like up from 10, charged from 10 to 80 in about 22 minutes, like I believe, yeah. which is really impressive. Really fast. Really fast. So I think that's a really important thing to mention. And, and the reason this discussion matters is that EV, if EVs are ever going to grow beyond being basically commuter cars and short distance vehicles to long distance vehicles, that time to charge is going to be very, very important to get all the folks on board that are uh, not on board with EVs at this point. Well, thanks everyone. That is our 2023 Motor Week Driver's Choice Awards. Now, everybody out there, we did produce an award ceremony for our 2023 Motor Week Driver's Choice Awards. It's up now, and I'm going to let Jessica fill you in on the details. Yeah, if you want to watch the full ceremony, um, you can visit our YouTube channel. Uh, that's youtube.com slash motorweek, or just go in the search bar on YouTube and find Motor Week. Um, and it will be our 2023 Motor Week Driver's Choice Best of the Year Best reveal. of the Year. This will be for the actual award ceremony for the EV6. It will also be on our website um, at motorweek.org, and you'll see it underneath the Reviews tab. Uh, there's a whole page dedicated to the Driver's Choice Awards. 
And uh, this podcast and the ceremony went up on February the 9th at noon. And the following weekend is when the entire Motorway Drivers Choice Awards special will be on public television stations around the country. Consult our website, motorway.org, for details. And shortly after that, it will be on our MAV TV partner. Yeah, so uh, don't miss it. And it's uh, it's a, a Jessica and Greg here at the table had a lot to do with producing this particular ceremony. I, we think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, and of course, uh, that following weekend, it will debut on Motor Week, the television series on all your public TV stations across the country. And shortly after that, over at our MAV TV partner. Yep. Jessica even risked great injury while we were doing this because I flew the drone probably <laughs> yeah. like inches from her face. <laughs> I was up on a lift. And then Greg we literally put our lives on the line. For this, <laughs> yeah, uh, for this. But when you see it, I think you'll agree that it was. I'll share it. a picture on my Twitter, on our Twitter, uh, when we're done. When noon. I can finally like show uh, the what we were working with because everything's embargoed right now. Noon on February 9th uh, at uh, our YouTube channel. Mm. Okay, rant and rave. Shoot. I mean, I added. I have one, well, but I, I didn't know who else that had brought it up. That no, <laughs> okay, unleash. Okay, so um, I think I'm of the opinion right now that um, you should. It should be a law that your headlights must be on if you are driving on a public road. I'm done with daytime running lights. I'm done with all times. So actual headlights. Your headlights on, on. even if it's full sun. I think your headlights should be on. There's too many times where I'm driving at dusk, or I'm driving in the rain, and no one either that people either don't have their headlights on at all, or they just have their daytime running lights, which is sometimes okay, but a lot of times not okay because your daytime running lights don't necessarily mean that your tail lights are on. No, they're not on. It's, I can head, headlights. I say yeah. I, that's what I didn't think. So yeah, I think that just I think headlights should just be on all the time. I've always to I, be fair, daytime runners can be super bright, and even if you're in a low light situation, you might think your headlights are on. That I have come across those situations <laughs> in press cars before, where they're so bright that yeah. I'm like, oh, my headlights are on, and then I get out of the car and my headlights were not on. And then I the think the headlights complaining about yeah. you. So you're saying it well, this a, happened once. This happened to me one time. Even have the option. You're saying it should be a law for the manufacturers to have them on, or a law no, for I think to like turn them on. I think. You know how like it's the, the law it's the law that <laughs> that your headlights are supposed to be on while you're driving. I think it's in the rain. Yeah. I think it's the, your headlights should just if you're on a public road, your headlights should be on. What about fog lights? Fog lights are kind of an annoying feature when there's no fog out and somebody's got their fog lights on. I sometimes will turn my fog lights on when it's not fog. Sassy, I don't like but that. I have really More weak, lights the better as far as I have really concerned. weak halogen headlights on my Jeep. There's not a lot of span. Anyway, I just I think just stick a flashlight out the window. Yeah, true. That's what oh, I should. My cars. Honestly, just get a light bar. <laughs> I should get. Yeah, I should know? get a light bar. Just kidding. Yeah. I don't oh, like light. Okay. I don't like light bars. I don't like light bars. I just think people should just be a little smarter when they use their headlights. And if we have to make it a law that they use them all the time, I'm for it. Anyway, that was my rant. <laughs> I don't think John likes it. Well, no, I like the idea of daytime running lights, but I happen, to, my I happen to think that if daytime running lights are on, your taillights should be on, too. I, I can agree with that. On. Yeah, well, In they theory, would, but it would be off. like running around with, you still aren't full power, 
on your headlights. I find not having, because a lot of people run around at night with only, and they don't turn their headlights on, yet they've got some illumination in front of them from the daytime runners, yeah. so they don't think about turning their headlights mm-hmm. on, and they've yeah. got no taillights. I think, no, yeah. yeah, I agree with I'm going to hear well, what that I was going to say, usually the gauge lights don't come on if you don't have your yeah, headlights lot, on. How many so test cars you get in? you're not looking at the gauges right. when you're driving to know that you don't have headlights If we're, we're trying to get this standardized, it's not even standardized to have the icon in the gauges to tell you if your headlights That's are right. on. That's Volkswagen true. Volkswagen doesn't do that, so you right. don't know if they're on or not unless you like, I mean, you like actually pay attention to what you're seeing in front of you. We get into a lot of test so, cars around here that have all the gauge lights turned down or very low. I mean, so I think, you know, maybe my less radical view, my radical view being that headlights need to be on all the time. But I think Greg has a point, like, things aren't standardized when it comes to lights and knowing you have your lights on. And if there was, I think that would be very helpful. Because I do, I do think a lot of people are just driving around and they don't even realize that their correct lights are not on for the time of day that it is or the conditions that it is. Do you think that'll change if there's a law that requires them to turn it on? Well, no, if that were the case, so say, hey, we're going way too far. This is, the, this is the most discussion of a rant rate we've had in a long time. If that were to, let's say they, the country stepped in and said, all right, every manufacturer has to make sure that the lights are on. Which would mean that there's no option any longer for lights other than high beams versus right. low beams. So, like, really, that I mean, that would be the. I mean, I don't. Would do it. I thought about. I have thought about that too. I but feel like you should put the onus on the driver. I correct. Think like it should be on the manufacturer to be yeah. like. And the light bulb industry lobbyists will, I'm sure, agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think. I just think sometimes the implementation of like the auto headlights is just not. It's not good because it's not allowing the driver to be they're not allowing the driver to be really aware of what's going on and like i don't know sometimes it'll be like 4 30 it's dusk it's the winter time it's starting to get dark out your car should be smarter than you and it should know oh maybe we should turn our headlights on well maybe that's what we need to make standard is auto headlights well, that's what we're saying. Like, they kind of are. They're, yeah, well, they're not standard, but they're pretty close to standard. Well, if but you the look at the lower, the same because like I was actually right. going. There's early. no actual specification our, of when they come on. Kia, right. uh, for example, on our uh, Carnival, uh, it's super sensitive. So yeah. like, you'll yes. be driving and yeah. like, well, yeah. around the time. Yes. Yeah. talking, you can go through like a sh- like a shaded tree area, yes. Yes. and they're constantly yeah. popping on and off, on and off, on and off, and that's really the only manufacturer that I've noticed mm. that it's been that sensitive. There are times when you're like sitting in traffic in a parking lot or whatever, right? Where, you know, you're getting out of concert and you're just sitting in traffic. Do you really need blast hundreds of cars mm. with their headlights on when they're not moving anywhere? Uh, just blinding people? <laughs> that frustrates me. I love being able to That's turn a good point. headlights off. That's a good point. I yeah. think, I think just in general, I don't think anybody's <laughs> happy with headlights in this country. I think... Is that fair to say? Yeah, because, I mean, we're still way behind the Europeans as far as uh, headlight technology, yeah. even with the latest updates. Yeah. Well, that, again, one of the most interesting uh, rant and raves that we've had in a long time. Got a lot of discussion out of everybody. Podcast. We really yeah. could. We should just do a whole rant podcast. <laughs> well, I think we should. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, here in our studio uh, 
C and MotorWeek World Headquarters, our two-wheeling reporter Brian Robinson, our over-the-edge reporter Greg Carlos, our digital producer and producer of the podcast today, Jessica Ray, and our writer Alex Kellum for going down the list with me of the 2023 MotorWeek Drivers Choice Awards. And thank you all out there for listening to our podcast today. And if you're wondering what time MotorWeek can be seen in your local public television stations, like I said, go over to our website, motorweek.org, click on the tab about the show, station listings, and then enter your zip code for the day and times in your area. Or hop over to our cable partner at MavTV.com for their schedule of Motor Week. They air us several times during the week. You can also stream Motor Week episodes for free on your mobile device or streaming box by downloading the PBS app available at your device's app store or streaming channel library. All of the individual road tests and feature segments are also available at YouTube.com slash MotorWeek. In other words, folks, if you've got a screen, you can watch MotorWeek. I want to thank our audio engineer, Jillian Cookman, our podcast producer, of course, Jessica Ray, and podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Uh, everyone out there, till next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us, thanks for being a part of MotorWeek. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.